Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. Hello, I'm Mark Perry. I'm the writer of Dark Shadows Reincarnation, and you're listening to Vampires and Slayers. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Vampires and Slayers, the podcast devoted to the undead and those who want to return them to the grave. It's difficult to think of Bram Stoker's Dracula without Bela Lugosi coming to mind. Incredibly, the Hungarian actor played Dracula exactly twice on film. And the 1931 original Dracula and 1948's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yet the actor and role remain synonymous. Today, Vampires and Slayers is joined by writer-artist Corin Shadmi, who crafted the graphic novel Lugosi, The Rise and Fall of Hollywood's Dracula, which was published by Humanoids. In this conversation, he explains his motivations for devoting the time and effort to tell Lugosi's story, the sort of research required, Lugosi's often sad and tragic journey, and how his own view of the actor changed through the process of creation. First of all, this idea of doing bio comics or you know biographies in comic form, what is the draw for you of that? Because to me, that seems like a hell of a lot of work <laughs> that has to be done to pull one of these together. Um, well, it's uh, yeah, it is it is a lot of work because uh, it involves uh, um, you know stage of research, and also you're tied to the way things look in reality, so you can't just make. The, any any of these characters that existed in in real life, you can't make them up. You have to make sure you draw them correctly. Um, but uh, there's been kind of a sub uh, genre of of uh, bio comics that, mm. that's been kind of popular. And the reason is that people, I think, enjoy reading about real stories and uh, real people's lives in comic book form. It makes it very digestible and very um, friendly compared to a lot of these biographies that tend to be, you know, like six, 700 pages. So if you want to learn about someone's life, but you don't want to necessarily like, you know, dedicate, I don't know, like hours and hours and hours, um, then that's a good solution. More days are days are days. days <laughs> yeah, yeah, how yeah. big it is, you know. Bella Lugosi. Let, let's let's talk about that specifically, or him specifically. What was it about Bella that made you again want to put this kind of research and time and effort into telling his story among other people? Yeah, he. I mean, the way it started was that my wife and I were driving upstate, and we listened to a history podcast, and they had two episodes dedicated to. Uh, Bela Lugosi and I just couldn't believe um, how you, you know crazy his life was and how good the story was 
And I had only known about him through, mostly through uh, the Ed Wood movie and just generally being aware who he was, but I just had no idea that the story was so dramatic. So, um, you know, immediately like kind of made a mental note, you know, if one day you're looking for, for someone to do a book about, he could be a good, good option. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting that that's where the Ed Wood thing is where you would kind of have your primary, you know, introduction to Bela Lugosi. Whereas as a kid, I watched, you know, of course the reruns, uh, of the universal movies where it was just like, I was obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I mentioned that in some, uh, you know, someone asked some question about it and I, I, I didn't grow up. I grew up in Israel and in Israel, we didn't have that. Uh, we had one channel when I was growing up and it definitely did not have any of the universal movies. Uh, there was right. no, um, screenings like midnight screenings or like re screenings of old movies. It would mostly be like, you know, when I grew up, it would mo- mostly be whatever, you know, Home Alone or whatever was at the time the popular movie. So I didn't have a- any easy access to these movies. Um, and then, you know, when I was a little older, then, you know, I-, I started watching some more art movies and things like that. And so that was my first introduction. And so I had to uh, educate myself about all the universal uh, monster movies which you know were amazing and it's like a whole world on its own oh a- absolutely but it's interesting like i know i've written a number of oral history books and you know pop culture oral history books but mm-hmm. i kind of most of those with you know uh, a, a full like lifetime love with the subject uh years of research in the sense of having done interviews with many of the people involved in that sort of thing you're in this interesting you were interesting uh, p- uh position where you're really starting at a blank slate in a lot of ways and making that discovery yeah. process as you're going along for the first time. And that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Writing something based on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, I mean, I, I did see um, maybe one or two, but uh, you know, I prior some point seen the Dracula movie, but, uh, and I've seen some other, you know, Todd Browning movies, but it really didn't, I didn't see the whole series. I didn't, never seen the mummy i've never seen like uh, some of those seminal movies and uh you know they're, they're great like if you're a real movie lover it's just really interesting to see that period they're they're very beautiful they have some sort of almost like magic about them um that you can't recreate today because of whatever the the craft that was put in at the time and also the whatever film stock and all those things and the period you're just kind of it's like encapsulating something from a certain era and also they're kind of um become um uh, everlasting like people are still that they, they yeah. don't really age so it's pretty nice except for perhaps like the te- maybe the tempo and like the endings like i would watch some of these with my wife and the endings are always like really abrupt it's almost like there's no third act and she'd be like this is the end <laughs> This is we gotta crazy. stop filming just wrap it up yeah. Kill the guy. <laughs> yeah yeah it was very it was very abrupt endings um you know be uh, i don't remember specific examples but like a lot of them have very abrupt endings like you know like dracula dies the end you know right. it's like so what happens to everybody else doesn't matter dracula's dead. doesn't matter that's all the time we got yeah. Exactly. And it's funny too, because I mean, when I was a kid, I, like I said, I loved all these things, but then as an adult, I went back to a lot of those universal movies and especially like 
son of Frankenstein and things. And it just, they're really kind of goofy in a lot of ways. And oh yeah. Really, like, I know people are going to crucify me. I, yeah. I have a, I have a, a poster. It's like the pole is, is hiding it, but I have a poster of son of Frankenstein. Cause it's, it's, it was one of the, my favorite ones. Cause uh, you know, there's the whole, um, you know, the, the guy who, who has like the fake arm, I think he's like the police commissioner yeah, or something. They make fun like of that, that in Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so funny. And, and I think it was like, not, you know, they knew that it was funny. Like James Whale was very, you know, didn't take it too seriously with, um, I don't know if that one is James Whale, is it? Um, not sure. I don't not think sure so. Was... But, but like, uh, you know, the, the Frankenstein movies, they're, they're goofy. Uh, and James Whale, like he enjoyed that kind of camp. Um, yeah. Dracula is not, I feel like it's not consciously goofy. It's more no. like a very somber uh, movie but uh, yeah a lot of them are especially some of the the collaborations between Lugosi and Karloff um uh like are pretty pretty funny yeah. and also kind of creepy and scary so it's uh yeah it's an interesting yeah. combo definitely you, you know it's interesting the power of those I as much as I made a comment about Son of Frankenstein the power of those create those characters and those actors who created them uh, you look at something like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, right? Now that's, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a comedy, but Bella's playing it straight. Lon Chaney Jr. is playing it straight. Len Strange yeah. is playing it straight. I mean, it, it's just interesting watching the power of those characters forget, the, like overcome the fact that they're in a comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that, I think that's, that says something about the power of those creatures back then, the, those particular creations. Yeah, yeah, he, you know, that you can definitely credit Lugosi for, for creating our modern idea of, of who Dracula is, because he brought that, like, you know, um, theater, uh, European theater actor gravitas to, to this, yeah. something that was kind of um, empty, and, and he, he was perfect for it, so. Yeah, he really was. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about your graphic novel also, I find, is that you're approaching, you, you are able to cover a bunch of interesting subjects in the sense of you've got Lugosi's life story, but yet the backdrop of that is watching the struggles that he went through, you know, when he was young, you've got Hollywood and the rise of the horror film in Hollywood, how Lugosi becomes this, and he's symbolic of so many who become people become obsessed with him, he becomes a superstar, and then he's discarded. It's like, yeah. we're done with you. You're discarded. So there's so many interesting elements that come together, I think, in this in this particular graphic novel. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's a common, it seems like it's a common thread with the whole people being discarded at Hollywood. Yeah. Like, and I'm kind of uh, attracted to those stories. Like, I love the Orson Welles story of how he made basically the masterpiece of, of, of American cinema and then Hollywood just spat him out and they were like, this is too much for us. Like we can't deal with this, with this right. guy. And for the rest of his life, he was just kind of um, almost like a asteroid, you know, kind of hovering back and forth, but never really like getting back into, yeah. into Hollywood. And, and with Lugosi, you know, he, he had his ups and downs, but um, again, he was like continuously mistreated in terms of payment, in terms of like casting uh, you know, he uh, was very angry when when he wasn't cast again as as Dracula, um, and and there's the you know there's many instances of that, and yeah, and you learn about also the history of of film. Like I didn't know 
the whole uh, uh, Lemley uh, saga and how they they were kicked out of of Universal and um, you know like the hubris of of Carl Lemley Jr. basically like driving the the studio almost to the ground. It's it's you could do a whole book about that. So exactly. And that's all very fascinating, you know, and you talk about people being discarded. I mean, that, but that goes to almost any entertainment field, right? You can look at music. I don't know if you're familiar with the band named Badfinger. From, they're from the 70s. They're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that's a, that's story. A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, here's a band has number one hits. They're being sort of presented to the world by the Beatles of all people. Yeah. yeah. And they're huge. And yet they're getting ripped off. And how does it culminate? Two of the guys hang themselves. I yeah. mean, <laughs> because of that yeah, same thing it's, of losing it's, it I, I, it's funny that you mentioned them because I was listening to them uh, uh, about a year ago. And then I looked it up and I was, again, I was like, wow, what a story. It's what like, is, do a graphic novel of Badfinger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and the music is incredible. Yeah, they are a little like derivative of uh, of the the Beatles, but they're great. They're so oh, yeah. Good. And they go off in their own direction anyway. I mean, seriously, they start off that way, but... But, but yeah, any, any music industry exactly. and like, you know, I worked in the illustration world, still do illustration and it's, it's the same. There's like a, a taste du jour and like people are really into this, this one person. And then like a few years later, they're just like getting no work because the, the, the fashion, it's very like, it's almost like fashion. Like this yeah. is, this is the person and you hope to be the one that kind of stays around that gets enough notor- notoriety so you do have people and and in a sense Lugosi was one of those people because he managed to become so famous that he still got jobs you know he still got he still was he was busy his whole life almost so um and, and he went to theater when he couldn't get stuff in Hollywood he was still in demand in, in theaters so you know I think he was pretty um maybe bitter about it but if you look at his life you could say well there's thousands of people who would have loved to be like this famous and like this in demand. So I don't think people realize how in demand, I don't think I realized (laughs) how in demand he was Uh, because unfortunately, when you think of Lugosi, the the buck kind of stops at Dracula yet, you know, he's been in all these other things. Yeah. None of them have the resonance that Dracula does. So you kind of forget that he did do a lot of other things. Yeah, like 99 movies, I think, which is insane. Yeah. Um, so he was really like, and he had a really good work ethic. And I think towards the end, like the, all his ailments and the drugs were just catching up to him. And, uh, um, but yeah, he was just, you know, workhorse. So, um, right. and a lot of these, and you could draw the parallel, uh, Karloff was also like that. And, and Karloff, in a sense, managed a little better to, preserve his dignity while he was working and kept getting like, you know, better was had more power in terms of what he wanted to be in and things right. like that and got paid better. And, you know, Lugosi, they're, you know, not enemies like how some people um, maybe depicted it, but uh, he definitely was, I think like a little jealous or a lot jealous of, of uh, Karloff. So you capture that in the graphic novel i mean a little bit yeah that rivalry He's, and also yeah really he, bella's side more than when anybody. he was late when he was like old there's a um in one of the biographies they talk about him having a nightmare where you know karloff is is haunting him so i moved that to a different section of the book for but that's real like he did really did i guess have have like uh, nightmares um where karloff was coming and talking to him in his wow. sleep 
Well, he, a graphic novel Dracula comes and talks to him in his sleep. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that that funny. I that is not a, that is just something I put in, like yeah. you know. And I'm hoping readers can be like, well, this is just kind of an internal dialogue sure. from him between himself. So but, <laughs> no one really thinks that Dracula came to speak to him. So no, I mean, they no, shouldn't. So. Yeah, they shouldn't. What kind of creative? And that, I guess that's an, another question for this: is what kind of creative license do you have in the sense of telling the story? I mean, I also want to get a sense of the kind of research you had to do to tell the whole story like this, because it's really in-depth, but then be able to have those little flourishes, those things that didn't happen, but they nonetheless make the story more entertaining, shall we say? Yeah, you have to be very careful because you can't, um, I don't want to, um, you know, do something that is, you have to walk a, a fine line because you don't want to like make anything that would completely distort the story or put in elements in reality that didn't exist. Like for instance, we, uh, we were watching a movie about Francis Farmer um, mm -hmm. a few months ago. I forget the name of it, but it's, it's a bio, a bio movie from the nineties and it's, it's pretty good, but they, you know, her story is very, very grim. Um, is that Jessica Lange? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, okay. that's the one. And she's excellent in it. Yeah. But the story's really grim, really dark. And then they just put in a love interest and this guy who just keeps like coming back to her and like narrates the story for us. And it's like, no, there was no, you know, this right. is all made up. So you, you get to this point where you're like, uh, you can't do that. But in terms of, you know, if you want to do a dream sequence or, you know, when you don't know exactly what people said in a certain scene, uh, you know, I have a scene where, um, you know, uh, Karloff and Lugosi meet after being on a radio show, you know, they talk to each other. And I didn't know, I don't know what they exactly said, like right. what kind of exchange they had, but I can, I can kind of, um, um, you know, kind of, uh, that's the places where I have a little bit of freedom to be like, well, maybe this is what they talked, this is what they said to each other. Because I know historically, they were actually on that radio show. And there's a recording of them you know, singing this, this, um, funny, funny song. So, right. but, it, but it's not like you're putting in anything that is quote unquote life altering. You know what I mean? Like, no, like, yeah, like Jessica, exactly. I mean, Francis Farmer getting a lover that wasn't there. That's a big, yeah, deal. that's something. Yeah. You have to be careful about that. And, and I try, and sometimes you have conflicting accounts in the biographies and then you kind of have to pick and choose what, what sounds more reasonable uh or more likely to have happened so um and with lugosi it's a little hard especially with his childhood because he made up a lot of stuff he like you know lied about his childhood you know you don't really know what happens he claimed to have run away from home and worked in the coal mines and then some people were like no he was you know he was like a locksmith apprentice right. he wasn't in the in coal there. mine and it's like i don't know exactly you know and i don't know you know this was in like 1903 or something i don't know exactly the details of this stuff so um so you just do your best to to fill in the gaps well you have to base it on what lugosi himself said and you have to base it on uh, biographies of him because what else are you gonna base it on yeah I mean, i'm not traveling i don't they don't pay me enough to go fly to, to <laughs> hungary and like look in archives in in, in budapest uh, oh so you're a hack you wouldn't fly to hungary i can't believe no. it. yeah 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 <laughs> they wouldn't fly wouldn't fly during a pandemic to hungary. uh no, plus you're not going to go to hungary to do research on uh, yeah i do want to visit at some point but 
not for that. Not right now. Not right yeah. now. You know. Um, so what were you, I mean, was it biographies? Was that mostly your, your research tools here? Yeah, mostly, uh, you know, I watched a good amount of the movies, like the important ones. Uh, I, I read some interviews. Uh, you know, I, I found there's a there's a blog called, uh, it's called the Bella Lugosi blog. It's been around for a while and they just collected, they, they archived a lot of, you know, his interviews and articles done about him since the 20s and they have scans of them. So that was pretty great. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you, you find everything you can, you read everything you can find. Um, you know, there was stuff that wasn't so relevant for me. Like I'd bought a book about his, his play, like his, his theater career. And it was like a whole book about like every theater, you know, play he was in. And I just didn't have room for that. So I like right. didn't dive deep into, you know, there, there was, a, there, it's kind of interesting. He was actually in a play, um, forget what it's called but he wasn't a play that that initially Karloff it was in and really? then he replaced Karloff yeah in, in a play called um I, I'm blanking out but that's the fact that he was there was another place where he and Karloff had like kind of uh he was like filling up for him um yeah there's there's you know again like there's so much there and you just pick and choose whatever you can put in right Absolutely. But there must have been that situation. There must have been some vindication for him, given the Frankenstein situation, the sense that uh, Karlov came in and played Frankenstein's yeah. monster over him. And yeah, so like, there's ah. a, yeah, yeah. There, well, yeah. And also, but also, you know, Karlov was like, I can't do this anymore. I have something better. You know, I have a film commitment. So I think he felt probably pretty bad because he was like, well, I need money. Uh, I'm going to take this, you know, like I'm going to take uh, his, his uh, whatever crumbs he left behind or whatever. Right. Uh, but again, he, just, he was getting work. He was like a leading man in, in a, in a show. So you can, you can see it two ways. Um, but yeah, there was a little bit of a, you know, he tried, he really in, in their movies together, it feels sometimes like they're both trying to like outdo each other a little bit. And, right. and it usually Lugosi wins because he's just so, over the top and and Karloff is like so he's so British and so reserved laid back and <laughs> yeah yeah so absolutely now you say he worked I mean he worked his entire life how bad did the roles get I mean I mean was it just a matter of like in other words I'm working so good I need money I'm working so there's the there's a difference between just working to work and working where you're proud of your work I mean what was the sort of the balance there you think as his life went on uh, they got kind of bad. Uh, I mean, Ed Wood stuff is definitely the worst because it's yeah. just is, is a real like Z movie. It's like not even a B movie. It's like so, um, so <laughs> like silly. Um, but yeah, he was like in a lot of, you know, he played like in these like gorilla movies, you know, he played in, in you know, he was like always like the mad scientist or like the the servant or like the the, the chic or something weird like that. And so I think he, he just was taking anything that came in and that was probably also not, I don't know how good that was for his career in terms of like, well, you know, you set the bar somewhere and you don't take whatever jobs that you, you think in the long run could hurt your career. Um, but yeah, he, I think an element is that he needed the money. He was like a big spender and, and, uh, 
and uh, he would he lived like this kind of ostentatious lifestyle. So he needed like income. So whatever came, you know, the the um, the Ed Wood movies. It was like they offered him five hundred dollars in the fifties, and he finally did it for like a thousand. Right. That's you know very little, uh, even even then, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's a little bit of this, and I don't get too deep into it. There's kind of like one um page where you see some of the goofy movies he was in where he's he's uh uh chasing a gorilla with a whip and all this kind of stuff um right uh, but but i don't get too deep into it yeah did you get the impression from all your research i look at somebody like adam west now here's a guy who played batman became huge as batman as big as bella lugosi was as dracula i mean he's just huge but then it goes away and then yeah. he can't get other work. They're making a Batman movie. They won't cast him as Batman. So he can't get work. And yet he's known as Batman. Yeah. So there was for a time there, there was real resentment that Adam West had towards Batman that he overcame that basically. Yeah. Where was Bella in terms of his relationship? If that's the right word with Dracula. It was a, it was a um, kind of a um, conflicted relationship. I think that he embraced a lot of it. Um, he loved attention. He would make jokes about being kind of like Dracula, like his home was decorated kind of like a vampire's home or, you know, with like a coffin coffee table and, and, and goofy things like that. Um, and then he, he appreciated that tension, but he also always wanted to be like the normal leading man. He wanted to be like a romantic interest. He didn't want to be just like a monster. Um, and I think he was very resentful about being continually, you know, seen as or recognized as mostly as, as Dracula. Um, so it was a very, um, you know, com com complicated yeah. relationship that he had with, with the, with the character and i try to show that a little bit in the in the book when especially in the scene where um you know jocula comes in and meets him and has a conversation with him right. and, and uh so um but yeah he he really you know you get typecast and this is his typecast was was the they called it the heavy you know he was the heavy right so the the villain so truth or legends was he buried in his dracula cape that's true. Yeah, that, that is, is true. true. Yes, yes. Now, what is that? Mean, is that? Is that sort of giving up and just saying, well, this is all people think of me anyway, so I'll just go out like this? Or was I it more his love for the character? I don't think it was. I'm not sure if it was his choice. I think maybe his family, um, okay. you know, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was 100% his choice. I don't, I don't remember. But it's true, yeah. He did. He did. He did get buried. He, he was buried in his cape and his Dracula outfit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I hope no one's dug him up since then. Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> or if they went in and he was gone, you know. Be, be, yeah. To so sell sell the cape on eBay, <laughs> or yeah, he wouldn't. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. Why not? I don't know. Uh, you know, you mentioned his family. That's another question here. Did you have any interaction with the family at all, or have you since? No, no, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I base it on biographies, I, I based it on one biography also that was approved by by the family. Uh, but I can't, you know, again, this is not a movie. This is like a low, this is a very, you know, um, I don't know what's the, the how to describe it, but making a graphic novel is a very like scrappy, you know, um, in, in kind of um, 
affair. It's just like, you, you don't make much money. You're right. a one man show. You're the one drawing, writing it. And if it, I'm sure that if, if this was like a theater, you know, thing or, or, a, or a movie, you definitely have to like, you know, talk to the estate and all these things. Oh, sure. But um, I think the stakes are pretty low here. And, and you're basically, as long as you're not lying about someone's life, uh, as long as you're putting out a truthful account, um, then and that's well researched, then you're, you're perfectly allowed to do that. Um, so that's, that's where it sits right now. Right. You, you mentioned the fact that like, they don't, you know, you don't make enough money doing this, that this is, this is a scrappy thing doing what you're yeah. doing in these biocomics. So what, because of the, I imagine it's a tremendous amount of time that you have to invest in this. What's the appeal for you then of spending that oh. kind of time with relatively little return? It's, 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 you know, it's passion. You love yeah. it. It's just, uh, I'm so, I feel really lucky uh, to, to be able to do something I love. And like, I've worked on graphic novels that other people wrote and, you know, sometimes it's the subject I don't really care about. And I feel very lucky that I was able to pick a subject that I care about. Right. Um, when I do illustrations for magazines, I don't get to pick what it's about. Like it could be about, uh, the stock market crash, you know, it could be about 401ks. It's usually not that interesting. So, right. Just the idea that I can get paid uh, and work, you know, for a long time on a project that I feel passionate about is is really great. So that's that's what drives me. And I love comics. I've always done comics, and I feel like lucky that I can that I could call it like one of my main, you know, uh, profession professions oh, yeah. or. Absolutely. Well, you had that. I mean, I don't know how successful the Rod Serling moments. That was terrific too. I mean, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it did. It did very well. You know, it did really well. People really uh, reacted well to it. And then I think it, it sold pretty well. So yeah. Great. Have you lined up the next one yet or? Yeah, we're, we're starting to, you know, figure that out. Um, and I do have another project that's coming out, I think next year um, that I'm wrapping up now um, for, um, a different publisher and it's going to be it's written by david kushner who's like a tech writer and right. it's about uh nolan bushnell and, and ralph bear uh the two guys that are basically responsible for video games and, and oh wow interesting uh it's it's a good it's a good uh little bit of uh of tech history and gaming history so uh it should it should be a hopefully people will enjoy that oh yeah well it's such an obsession with video games anyway so yeah sort of the history of that i think is interesting in this format you know yeah it's very cool you, you, you come in with an idea of who bella lugosi is when you start a project like this you do the research you you write this up you draw it what is the portrait you came away with who in your mind who was bella lugosi he was a great actor. Um, he was a very passionate kind of romantic man. Um, he was, you know, maybe kind of uh, lived a life of excess um, a little bit, but he made his mark. So, um, yeah, he was, he was, you know, I would have loved to meet him. You know, I think he would have probably been a very fun uh, guy to, to meet up for, for, um, for a drink or, some Hungarian wine or something, but uh, yeah, I think I think that um, that he was he was a very interesting, conflicted, and passionate person. Vampires and Slayers, in our interview with writer artist Corin Shadmi, we'll be right back. 
We hope you enjoyed this chat about the original Dracula, and please check out a copy of Lugosi, The Rise and Fall of Hollywood's Dracula, wherever books and graphic novels are sold. We also hope you'll subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star review, and tell your friends about us. And if you're into classic TV, check out the TV Retrovision podcast. For superheroes, there's Voices from Krypton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you before the next sunrise.